Thank you, Tim. Okay, be uh, patient with me. I didn't realize I talk with my hands as much as I do, so I'm limited. I got to tie one hand behind my back. So, like Eric was saying, is you try to find out what it is the Holy Spirit wants to talk about, and you talk about that. This is not a typical Mother's Day sermon or message or teaching, whatever. But it's something that God's put on my heart, so I'm going to be faithful to share it, and we'll just see what happens. But let's pray first. Holy Spirit, this will absolutely fail without your presence and your power on these words, without your presence and your power on the people that hear them, so guide my words, guide their hearts, and let us all receive what you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. I always speak topically, but in this particular instance, this is an exegesis of a very, very, very familiar passage. John 3.16, ever heard of it? But I don't, I don't know quite what the Lord's up to, but He's given me something to say. I'm going to say it. We're going to look at John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We're going to take that and break it down into four statements and just kind of break that further down in those groups. The four statements are, for God so loved the world, that's number one. Number two is that he gave his only son. Number three, that whosoever believes in him, and four, shall not perish but have everlasting life. First statement, for God so loved the world. So we're at the first statement, so we're going to break it down even further. For God. Who is God? I guess particularly who is He to you? Well, God's a lot of things. Obviously, He's an infinite being. But one of the main things that, that uh, we start with is, is the fact that He is your Creator. He's my Creator. Now, as Creator, from that comes a whole bunch of other things that He is to us. He's your ruler. He rules over you. I mean, think about it. The one that makes something is the one that's in charge of how that thing is used, where it's used. He is the ruler, our ruler, as just simply as creator. But beyond that, he is the only one that can say what the meaning is. I mean, you know all the why questions we have. Why was I created? Why am I here? He's the only one that can establish that meaning. We can't even do it for ourselves. What is my meaning? It's not for me to say. I didn't create me. He's the also the only one that can say if 
we have fulfilled <clears throat> that purpose, that purpose for which we were created, that purpose that he had in mind when he created us. He's the only, only true judge over you and me. We do have human powers that have authority, but this is the one true judge. So, conclusion. In the first two, <laughs> two words of John 3.16, the conclusion <laughs> is that God is the only one with the rights to full authority over each one of us. And he gained that by making us, making each one of us thinking about each one of us, having a purpose, having a meaning, having all that in place. For God so loved the world. You see, God loves the world and all the people in the world. He created all of the people in the world as we've just discussed and the Bible said God is love so what do you figure he created out of he created out of love so every person on this planet he loves them and you ever thought about the fact that he loves people that we don't necessarily love uh oh He even loves people we hate. But we need to hearken back to the fact that God as creator, ruler, has given us two commandments. And he says they are his greatest commandments. Matthew 23, I'm sorry, 22, 37. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So does God have specific purpose for each one of us, specific meaning? Yes but this is the overarching principle over all of that. Is that first we love God and then we love our neighbor. And like the question was asked, who's your neighbor? I would agree with that. But more specifically, right now, you know your neighbor is not that person that lives in the house next to you? There's a neighbor right there. There's a neighbor right there. The folks that you're in proximity of, that's your neighbor, intentionally or unintentionally. That is your neighbor. Like the Samaritan. You know, he's just walking along having a trip and he finds this injured Jewish man and the Samaritans and the Jews really didn't like one another. But he binds up this man's wounds. And then he takes him to some place where he can be taken care of. 
in the feeling of it. He didn't love this man. But he loved his neighbor because he knew God's greatest commandment. And he obeyed it. To love this man, not in feeling, but in action and in deed and in self-giving. And you know, that's only one example, right? Of following God's greatest commandment. There are many ways to love those around us. And we as followers of Jesus need to look for those opportunities to love those that are closest to us. And it's no small part as to why we're talking about John 3.16 because it's the greatest need in the world today is Jesus in the hearts of as many people as possible. So we need to look for that opportunity to love our neighbor, not necessarily in feeling, but in action, because we are commanded to do that. So what's the second phrase we're going to look at? For God so loved the world, and the second phrase is that he gave his only son. So let's tarry for 30 minutes on the word that. The word that implies something. It implies that God did something because of the, the, the prior statement. For God so loved that. So what's the that? So what is it that God did that he gave? So out of God's love that he what? He gave. I couldn't hear you. He gave. gave. One more time. Gave. Thank you. So why do we continue to try to earn something that God has given us? God gave. He said it three times. One time real loud. Why do we keep looking past the gave to the urn? I got to earn this. I got to be good. Many, many people try to earn salvation by doing good. But you know, the Bible has something to say about that. Galatians 2.16. I did give you that one, didn't I? Okay. Okay. I'm not going to face it because of Michael overload. <laughs> Yet we know, not we think or it might be, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law. Justified. Let's define that real quick. Being made right with God, the one that made you, your commander, your ruler, the establisher of purpose and meaning being made right with him. That's what justified is talking about. So what does this say again? It says, we know that a person is not justified by works of the law. 
by doing good. Romans 3.20, same idea. Put it in a more explicit way. For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. So if not by doing good, then how? Well, the next part of that passage that we read, there, this phrase, is that he gave his only son is he his only son. If not by doing good, then how? By his only son. See, what did God give? He gave his only son. Now, only could be interpreted unique son of God, but only works. Should we do good? Yeah. Does doing good please God? Yes. Does doing good save us? No. Let's do it again. Does God want us to do good? Yes. Is God pleased when we do good? Yes. Does doing good save us? Y'all, the world doesn't know this. And let me tell you something. When you're sharing the gospel with somebody, you've got to hammer this point over and over and over and over again. And then they might get it. Child of God, be prepared to share the gospel and you've got to deal with this point. Because the idea that I've got to earn love is so drilled into our psyche. We've been lied to it so much by the enemy, by everybody around us. I mean, that's how our relationships are. You've got to act a certain way towards me for me to like you and vice versa. God has agape love. Agape love is foreign to us. It's unmerited, un unmitigated, unbelievable love that you do not earn. People are unprepared to accept that. Prepare to share it in a whole host of different ways. Say it many different ways, many different times. We are saved only by the gift of Jesus. How? Well, that's a fair question. Let's answer that. Because the next phrase is that says that whoever believes in Him. So let's deal with believe in Him. This is how we are saved. The following statement is found in Acts 16.31. And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. So if it's not by doing good, then how? By believing in Jesus. Believing is easy. And really until I, I, I started studying for this word, I didn't really know that was actually documented in the Bible that it, this was, was easy. Let's look at Romans 10, 8 and 9. That believing is easy. But what does it say? The word is near you. 
in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So why is it easy? Let's go back and review what that passage just told us about believing. Because the word is near you. Because the word is in your mouth. Because the word is in your heart. You just need to confess it. Y'all, God's already got it there. That thing, that, that reason I was praying to the Holy Spirit is because this doesn't work without the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit comes there ahead and puts it in your mouth, puts it in your heart. It's near to you. That's how it gets there. Quit fighting with it. It's easy. You just need to confess it. Confess what? Well, what did the passage say? Jesus is Lord. I mean, that's the first thing we back up and say is Jesus is Lord. Is He going to be your Savior? Yeah. If He starts out being Lord, yeah, you bet. He's your Lord. God has risen Jesus from the dead. In other words, Jesus isn't alive right now. He is. And we confess that because Jesus is my Lord and because God has raised him from the dead, I'm saved. It's easy. But you know what? This is extra. It's not even in the notes. No charge. You know why people choke at this? Pride. We have nothing to bring. We have nothing to bring. I can't just accept this. I've got to be worthy of it. Good luck with that. Yeah. So again, the idea of this faith, this belief, that's just a confession is easy because of the word that's used in this phrase that we're looking at now. That whoever. Nobody's excluded from that. Aside from actually having your name written there, whoever's as good as it gets as far as being easy because it excludes no one. I don't care, I don't care what you've done. I don't care how long you've been doing it. I don't care how many times you've done it. This verse says, whoever, 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 I don't care what ridiculous lying excuse is going on in the back of your head saying it's not for me. Whoever is for you. You hear me? Whoever is for you. Now, 
as long as we go forward with this new confession that Jesus is Lord, and we learn to obey Him by turning away from those things that He prevents, that He prohibits, and turns toward those things that He commands, that's a lifestyle of repentance. And we're fixing to get a little real here, okay? But I can't tell you half truth. I have to tell you the whole truth. Repentance is, in fact, the proof of true confession. Listen, I'm not saying you're going to be perfect. Not everybody can be like me. <laughs> Boy. We're not going to be perfect, but we have to have a path that's moving closer and closer to complete obedience for this confession to be of the heart and not just words that rolled out of your mouth because you were in a bind. That's what a lifestyle of repentance is. And if there is no repentance, there is no change, I have to give you this warning. Luke 3, 13, 3. Unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. It's easy. It's still easy. Because the Holy Spirit's put everything in you there that you need to make this confession then to believe. But also the Holy Spirit is there to help us, empower us, to push back against those basal desires and all that other stuff that we got going on, those hates, those prejudices, and all that. Holy Spirit's there in life. He draws alongside. You're not on your own. You're entering into a relationship, a covenant relationship, where you make a, a confession of belief. And it's done. But you bring your will as an act of your volition into that. Fourth. Should not perish, but have everlasting life. The theme of this word, I think, is about the closest thing that we get to Mother's Day, is the theme of this word is love. That's what's brought us to this place so far. Because a mother's love, there's nothing like it, except it's superseded by God's love. And that's what the theme has been. But part of loving is also stating consequences for your choices. So let's look at that. God as creator has given us something that's very, it's very precious and it's very honoring. God has given you a free will. He's given you a choice. I don't know any other creator that's ever done anything like that. That has been able to imbue his creation with a free will to choose or not to choose him, to obey or not to obey him. But that's how God has honored you, by giving you that choice. It's implied in what we just read in Luke 13, 3, unless you. Unless you. It's also implied in Jesus being a gift that we must receive. 
and choose not if you choose not to receive it, then you don't. Then you don't. So let's deal with the consequences. But as we're dealing with this, please understand the choice is completely yours to make. Jesus wants a relationship with us, but he's not going to force himself on us. He will, caps, he will honor your decision. If you decide you do not want him as your Savior and Lord in this life, if you desire to decline his offer of relationship with him, that is within your free will to do so. However, bear in mind that he will also honor that decision after you pass from this life into the next. He's not going to kidnap you and drag you to heaven to be in relationship with him. Where you will go is a place where his attributes, the attributes of Jesus, are not present. You see, Jesus is. He doesn't just have these as attributes. These are who he is. Jesus is light. Jesus is life. Jesus is love. Jesus is peace. Jesus is joy, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. So where his presence is, these things are present to some degree as well. In this world, in this realm, we have a mixture of those. Ain't no mixture in heaven. Ain't no mixture in hell. Okay, now, let me address this. If you think that by having, experiencing love, peace, joy, and all this stuff, that you have it on board you, you don't. It's because of whose presence you're in that you have that. Okay? So, if Jesus is not present, all that exists are the antonyms of what I just named. Because either a thing is there, or in this case, its opposite is there. The universe tends to fill the void. With whatever you remove, something else comes in. So what's where, what's the place like? What is that existence like of where he is not? Darkness, death and dying, hate, dismay, desperation, sorrow, misery, despair, impatience, cruelty, wickedness, no certainty, no control, and this is not an exhaustive list. Please hear me. If you haven't heard anything else, please hear this. What we're describing here is not inflicted punishment as much as it is God fully honoring your decision to be fully separate from Him and find yourself where you, He is not for eternity. You want to know what this place is? It's the absence of Jesus. And if you've been asking your entire life, Stay away. He's giving you that free will. He's going to honor that request, and you're going to a place where he is not. He's not inflicting punishment 
He's given you what you asked for, not him. The opposite is true for those who accept and offer the offer of relationship with Jesus. They will experience his goodness and glory for eternity. And again, the choice is your alone, yours alone. No one can make it for you. And what we're fixing to do now is make an offer for you to accept this gift. If you would, let's bow our heads in prayer. Holy Spirit, we pray that you fill the room. Speak to every heart here. Holy Spirit, I ask that you do two things. Give assurance to those that have made this confession of belief and give boldness to those that have not. We ask those that ask you that you would speak to those that have not declared Jesus as Lord and that God has raised him from the dead and that I am saved. We ask that by your unction, you will draw them up here so that we can pray with them and minister to them. And anybody else that needs ministry for anything else, draw them, Holy Spirit, and empower those that minister. That we can show them, Father, your true love for them. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.